Cinemodities, late night movies with Rob, Ben, Zach, and Gabe. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities, where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally these projects gel, most times they crash, hard, into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Ben. And I just hope that when you see me, I'm not see-through. Yes, yes, I know, especially for, you know, Ben and Gabe and probably any of our listeners who are Fallout Boy fans. Yes, we are discussing a Fallout Boy kind of visual album almost, and I chose to use one of the Big Sean lines. <laughs> I have to say, I like Big Sean a lot more than I like Fallout Boy, but we'll get into all of that. As you said, Ben, in that intro, the names keep getting longer and longer and longer, and this time, we have a very special guest. The first appearance on Cinemodities, main feed or otherwise, we have Gabe, the uh, the proclaimed Fallout Boy specialist of this episode. Gabe, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, I mean... Uh, Rob, oh. we already have a correction. She was in the uh, one of oh, the, the commentaries. The commentaries. Oh, the Jesus Christ, I've almost forgot about the commentaries. Yes, yes, she said the Fog movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, oh yes, the Fog movie. No, not John Carpenter's The Fog, the movie with a lot of fog. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So yes, maybe, uh, hopefully, actually that's a great, I'm glad you reminded me of that, Ben. I, I uh, kind of forgot about the commentaries. I know some people have listened to them. We've talked about a little of the feedback, but if you haven't, go check it out on the Patreon. They're free. You don't even have to like join us. You can download them uh, just be- just by going onto Patreon and finding our commentaries. Uh, I believe it's under public posts if you're trying to sort them because they were a few months ago now. But yes, listen to that. Hear Gabe on those. Hear Gabe on this episode. Give us some feedback. But all right. Uh, okay. We've got the correction out of the way. Good, good looks, Ben. <laughs> Who is not here, of course, is Zach. Uh, Zach has not been with us this whole month because he's been hard at work at the restaurant. Um, this this week, he doesn't really have a, a big problem to deal with. I think it's something that's still uh, trying to get worked out. But if you remember, Ben, two weeks ago, uh, in our 8 Mile episode, we instituted in the restaurant what we called wrapping bingo. Apparently which I did not remember, and, and I don't know if you know, uh, or knew, I'm not sure when this came up, we had already instituted something called non-bingo in the restaurant, uh, where it was bingo, but it was read out by a nun. And then, of course, we said it's bingo, but it's read out by a rapper who's rapping the numbers and things like that. Um, so as you might expect, as often happens, I believe they're both, you know, natural enemies, the nun and the rapper are now fighting over territory in the Cinemodities restaurant. <laughs> I don't think it's gotten violent, uh, but Zach is trying to mediate between them and reach a way to solve the dispute. I think right now they're trying to figure out, they've come to a standstill almost, like, like do they fight for territory over a rap battle, a prayer battle, a game of bingo? Zach's trying to figure that out. So maybe when we, we get Zach back, we'll ask him and see if he came up with a good solution. I don't know, Ben, do you have any ideas on how to maybe solve this dispute? Because it really seems like the nun and the rapper don't just want to host separate bingo nights. <laughs> I have a feeling, and I don't think we can make this happen. It has to happen organically. But I have a feeling that the rapper is going to turn to God and the nun's going to learn how to rap. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Kind of like um, they become best friends type of thing. Um, and they, they teach each other the ways. I don't know. It's making me think of like when you see at a zoo, there's like, I don't know, a big lion like hanging out with a boar or something like that, you know? <laughs> right. So, yes, we'll see how that goes. But with that being said, 
I mean, here we are, the last episode of our revisiting of the music movie series. Um, you know, so I've picked my two, Ben picked 8 Mile, we loved these last three weeks, but now we're here to finish it up with the choice of Fallout Boys, The Young Blood Chronicles. So I got some, I got some kind of just questions at the start, so maybe uh, some administrative or, um, you know, bookkeeping questions. Is the title Young Blood two words or Young Blood one word? Because I have seen it stylized differently in many different places on the internet. Do you either of you guys know? I believe uh, it's two words. Yeah, Wikipedia has it as two words. Okay, so does IMDb, but uh, I believe Letterbox does not. And I believe, and in the actual like when it comes on screen in the the music video series that we're talking about, it's stylized to look like one word. So I I was like, what the hell does this have to be? I mean, you know, we got to get our <laughs> SEO from a, from a 10-year-old music music video series or something like that. Okay, so that that's good. That's good. The Young Blood Chronicles. I think it's two words. Let's go with that. So, then I guess the other question is I got to get some context from from you two because, you know, Ben, you chose this. What do you why do you want to talk about this and what would you call it? I mean, I was trying to think of like I've said now visual album, I've said music video series. I don't really know if this has, like, a distinction, because it is just a series of music videos strung together. So, do you have a, a way to reference this, Ben, that we can maybe stay consistent with, and why did you want to talk about this? I don't know that I have a way to reference it. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it was released on DVD, not that that really helps us. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. There's apparently some kind of un- uncut, long- uncut long-form edit of the movie. So on Wikipedia, they refer to it as a movie. Um, I guess we could call it that. I, I kind of like video album a little better. Okay, uh, just sure, because sure. It is the whole Save Rock and Roll album and all their music videos to it. Why I want to talk about it? Well, it's, uh, for one, it is going to have the most music of any music movie we could have done <laughs> definitely so so that there was that and then also like i have a soft spot in my heart for fallout boy i have for for a while um and we'll when we get to context with fallout boy we can talk about that a little more but but that's that's a big part of it and then it was also it was like it was on my radar when it came out and i had never watched the whole thing and then gabe brought it to my attention very recently that it kind of fit the theme we were working with and i was i jumped on it i was like oh yeah let's let's do that instead of i think i was gonna do the greatest showman or something Yes. Oh, I, yeah. Let's give a little peek behind the scenes. You were going to pick Greatest Showman, a movie I've never seen, um, which I'm, I'm sure I would have had a field day with. I want to see it once now because that's kind of a movie I never expected that you would enjoy. I, even though I know you like Hugh Jackman, I didn't really you know, think you'd get into him singing or I think the thing I know most about that movie is they gloss over a lot of the uh, maybe say rough, rougher parts of P.T. Barnum's career, I think. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Uh, they also they also like made up some love interests and stuff to make it more of an interesting story ah, as is expected of with, course with that kind of thing but um you know the the one thing i do have to say about that is, is it is the greatest show no it's it's okay <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those movies i mean i if now that you haven't picked it i don't know when we do another music video series i don't know when it would greatest showman would ever come up on main feed because i don't think that fits the bill of cinemodities but did you know that that movie was in theaters for like three quarters of a year like that movie just kept making money consistently uh yeah i did that's yeah, crazy I, I, to me that people I, I just saw it in, loved it <laughs> i saw it in theaters uh i think at least twice and it was several months apart <laughs> oh god um, okay there you go <laughs> but but i i do think i was on drugs for one of the times i saw it. And, <laughs> sure and that was a good experience not gonna lie <laughs> 
that was a great time. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Yeah, I mean, I think of the theatrical run of The Greatest Showman being so long. And I think also I always like to bring up, you know, the, the fun fact that uh, the uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding was in theaters for a literal calendar year, 52 weeks. Because people went batshit crazy for that movie for some reason. <laughs> Something that'll never happen again, right, with the state of the world, a movie staying in theaters that long. Because, I mean, what, it goes to um, streaming services or video on demand, you know, within a week or something now. Yeah, which is the best thing ever. I th- yeah. Don't I mean, get me wrong. I, I love movie theaters, but I also love not having to go to the movie theater if <laughs> yes, I don't want to. The convenience. The convenience. All right. That's right. So, so I'm glad you brought it up. Um, You know, you said that... uh. Uh, Gabe brought this to your attention, the Youngblood Chronicles, that it fit our our motif, our theme for this series. Same thing that Ben said, he was aware of it when it came out. Uh, Gabe, were you aware of this as well back in, what, 2013 when this album and this, this these Chronicles came out? I actually had no idea. Fall Out Boy's Return kind of snuck up on me, which surprised me, and I kind of hate to admit it because I've always been a big fan of Fall Out Boy. Uh, but I just heard their single that came out on the radio and i was like oh awesome they're back and then it was like three years later that i discovered the young blood chronicles okay okay i was like this gem that i had never heard about <laughs> yeah i had never heard about it i mean i i uh i had never like even listened to the album save rock and roll i mean it was kind of um i i did watch the uh the youtube version the uncut long form whatever it's called on youtube i'll put the link in the show notes so that other people can go ahead and watch it it's like 45 minutes long i i was i was going through it you know and it's it's uh, it's out of order from the album, of course. It mm-hmm. starts with, I think, Phoenix or The Phoenix or something like that. At least the, the long-form one does. And it's going it's going along, and eventually they get to um, my songs Know What You Did in the Dark, and the song starts playing. And I'm like, oh, this album! And it all came, like, <laughs> flooding back to me, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> so I, I I think, you know, with, with what I've said, um, I'm not—I've never been a huge fan of Fall Out Boy. I mean— of course, I listened to him when I was younger, you know, in a, in my middle school and high school years when From Under the Cork Tree came out. Of course, I had to listen to them out of obligation because there was a point in time where you could not go anywhere with uh, hearing Sugar We're Going Down or Dance mm-hmm. Dance uh, for uh, probably a year, maybe three quarters of a year or something like that. Uh, maybe maybe for a run of The Greatest Showman, you know. But And then I kind of, I never really got into them. Like, I listened to From Under the Cork Tree. I didn't really dig it. I mean, there was maybe one or two other songs that I don't remember now that, you know, caught my attention. But I, I love Sugar We're Going Down. I love Dance Dance. And then Fall Out Boy kind of just, like, trickled into my space every now and then. Like, I, I really still like the song Thanks for the Memories or Thooks for the Murmurs <laughs> or whatever you want to pronounce that. Um, that song really stuck out to me, but I never really dove back into Fallout Boy. I have to say, back in this time frame, I was always into other of the, uh, I guess, you know, emo bands, if you want to even consider Fallout Boy emo, in the mid-2000s, like All American Rejects, uh, My Chemical Romance, Panic at the Disco, which Pete Wentz actually discovered. I love that story that, you know, Panic at the Disco exists because Pete Wentz saw them at a club one day. Mm-hmm. Um, Death Cab for Cutie, Taking Back Sunday. I was always all, more into them than I was really Fall Out Boy. So I'm glad to have some people here who are, are more versed in it or more familiar with their uh, their discography. So I, I got to ask then, when did it start for you guys? I mean, when did you really get into Fall Out Boy? I know, Gabe, you said you kind of missed the, uh, the return from their hiatus, which I'm sure... A lot of people did because it was, what, three, two or three years or something like that. But before then, were you always like a huge Fall Out Boy fan? Yeah. So uh, 2005, From Under the Cork Tree came out uh, and they started to pop up on my radar. I was like, I don't know, nine. So this was like my first real experience with music. 
uh, they were like the first band I ever liked. So Infinity oh. on High came out and they started getting really popular. Um, and I was obsessed. Like, there's nothing else in the world that mattered other than Fall Out Boy to me <laughs> for a couple of years. Sure, sure. I think when I was that age, it was uh, somehow maybe a little older. Uh, it was somehow uh, I was that into System of a Down. I, I okay. lived System of a Down, so that's that's kind of the difference in in the um, in the real like maybe what we were listening to or the base of music we had. <laughs> and then after System of Down, it was Dream Theater. So I went from like metal to progressive rock, and then it was just kind of Fall Out Boy trickling through. No, but that's actually really cool that it was um, you've been with them for so long and and you have that passion for them. Um, I knew you liked them, but I didn't know it was it was that strong. But that's cool. Ben, are you the same way? I mean, did you um, did you have you know back in the day this love for Fall Out Boy, or did you get introduced to him a little later on? Uh, so I, I know, like in high school, you know, you mentioned the the songs that everybody knew, Dance Dance and um, Sugar We're Going Down. I, I knew people in high school that that liked them. I was really familiar with those songs. Uh, Thanks for the memories also popped on my radar back in high school. I never really thought much of it. Uh, I didn't necessarily care for the people that liked fallout boy which made it difficult for me to get into the music or even give it a real chance okay i feel like um, if i if i might be misremembering the exact circumstances but i feel that when we live near each other in ohio there was a point where you said something very similar to me about people who you knew who liked modest mouse where you were yeah, like I it never... was the, okay yeah it was pretty much the same people oh um, okay okay right on. yeah yeah oddly enough the people i knew who liked uh modest mouse also liked fallout boy and i I just like, you know, I had, I had this like goofy high school. Like I, you know, I listened to like heavy metal. I'm superior to you kind of, kind of feeling. And I, <laughs> sure. I never went to, and, and dabbled with the softer stuff as I, as I probably thought of it as, as a, you know, a teenager. And then I got, I, I think it was when it was actually when this album came out, save rock and roll that I like really started. No, 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 no. It was before that. Um, it was when I was an undergrad. I, um, I, I, for the life of me, I don't really remember why it might've been Pandora. Pandora is responsible for a lot of my random music tastes that I started to give Fall Out Boy a chance. And then I downloaded their whole discography and I, I listened to all of it. You know, some of it I liked, some of it was just okay. Some of it was, I don't think any of it was really bad, Okay, but, um, but then, you know, so I, I started listening to him like when I go on runs and things like that, just for something a little, a little more upbeat than what I had been listening to. And, uh, and then after that, I just kind of, anytime new fallout boy was mentioned to me, which I didn't even know they took a hiatus. So, so it wasn't like I was like following their, you know, their Instagrams or whatever. I just, uh, liked some the music and I downloaded the discography. And then once save rock and roll came out, I happened to hear about it and I was like, Oh, I haven't heard new fallout boy in a while. And so I listened to them. And at that point I still didn't know that they had been on a hiatus. <laughs> sure. um, and like, I saw, the music videos and and I had heard murmurings from like the internet that it was going to be like a long form thing. Um, but I, I never watched it in part because I, I don't do well watching things as they come out slowly. Um, I think Rob knows this pretty well. Like I don't watch TV series, uh, until I can download like four seasons of it and watch all of it. Oh, hell yeah. Um, hell yeah. <laughs> so, so I just, I didn't keep up with, with it that way. But once the album actually came out, I, I did, uh, download it and listen to it, you know, uh, amongst all the other things I listen to. Sure, sure. Yeah, that whole thing. We've talked about that with TV series that 
every time we we try and watch a show as it goes on, it bites us in the ass. And the the great example, everybody go to Patreon, check out our Adventure Time episodes. Darkest, one of the darkest periods of my life when we were waiting, you know, six months just for another four episodes. <laughs> yeah, that was some shit. Yes, yes. Oh God, absolutely. So I mean, I have to I have to ask because. This is something I was noticing. You can actually review this on Letterboxd, which I was surprised. I was like, you know, oh, that's cool. It's on here. I get to add something else to my diary. The reviews for this on Letterboxd are overwhelmingly positive. And they are (laughs) overwhelmingly positive because it seems like only people who like Fallout Boy watch this. Uh, Maybe knew about it, still know about it today, watch it and things like that. When I was going through all the reviews, I was trying to find like lower starred reviews or more negative reviews. And I found things along the lines of, you know, someone, someone saying something, you know, not really aggressively negative, but negative, saying something like, you know, oh, I didn't really like the ideas, or, you know, it, it came across as, like, you know, clunkily thematic and things like that, which which mimics some of the stuff I have to say. Um, but then it would just get barraged with comments from other people going, like, wow, is this what it's like to not have taste? And, sh- and shit like that. <laughs> and, and they were just, like, the Fallout Boy fans just are, are owning the corner of Letterboxd. Not even the corner, the the point, you know, the zero-dimensional <laughs> point of Letterboxd that is this reviewing this movie. So I have to ask, Gabe, being the super fan, do you you just unabashedly, like, objectively love this? <laughs> Are you um, dogpiling people on Letterbox? Is also a question. <laughs> I only spend like two hours a week on that, but yes. <laughs> okay, yes, okay. My side project. Um, as Ben was saying earlier, like, uh, it was hard for him to get into Fallout Boy because of the kind of people that were fans of Fallout Boy. I was definitely one of those. Uh, <laughs> right. I was like hardcore Fallout Boy gatekeeper. Like, you can't even listen to them because you won't. You don't get them. So don't even bother. Nice. Yeah, I was. I'm. I'm not surprised that people were berating lowered comments on uh, on Letterbox. Yeah, yeah, it was it was shocking. Um, I mean, I didn't give this the best review on Letterbox, but uh, no one's no one's commented on it yet. So I'm hoping I uh, hopefully I like flew under the radar or something like that. But um, it'll also <laughs> Rob, be. You know, you want to start a flame war. Don't, don't act like I, you didn't do that. I for a do, game. I do, and I already kind of have with my with my five star review of the new Matrix movie that people, you know, <laughs> people oh. don't like at all. Um, but you know, that's that's the whole thing. Maybe maybe this episode will start a flame war. Uh, at least I, my aspects, because I think I'm going to be a little more uh, a little more against this than you guys are. Even though I do, you know, like it for the most part. So so I guess maybe that's that's what to, where to go next to top line items because I do want to get into it. I'm sure we won't break down, you know every song in great detail. There's a lot of moments I want to highlight, though. After I watched this, you know, spent the 45 minutes, it was a nice, easy 45 minutes. Once, like I said, I'm not the biggest Fall Out Boy fan, but I think I liked all these songs. Well, I liked all but one song. I did not like Rat-A-Tat. That might be more because I despise Courtney Love, and that's the song she's involved Mm. in. But I I liked the music. I had a good time watching it. I mean, I had my issues, which we'll get into. But after at the end of the day, I'm like, this was pretty decent. So... Gabe, it seems like you just love this and you will defend it, you know, as we go through it. But Ben, I mean, uh, what did you think watching it for this uh, this cri- with this critical lens for this episode? So initially, I like, you know, as I'm going through it, like, you know, five, six, seven songs in, I'm just like, not a lot is going on. Sure. Um, sure. Like, it, it feels like we're just kind of watching this, this, um, I don't know, like, GoPro style chase kind of thing happening where it's like, you know, obviously it's not done with a GoPro, uh, but it just felt like it was like this this kind of sequitur, you know, straight through series of events with with not a lot of um, substance. And then we get to Miss Missing You, 
which is the second to last song. Mm-hmm. And the video for this song blew my fucking mind. It's the one in the trailer park? Yes, the black and white one. Yep. And that was some of the craziest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the music video in a trailer park. And and then, uh, you know, of course, we get to save rock and roll. And um, I started to kind of understand, or, or or rather, I guess, project a meaning onto this series of videos, uh, which we'll discuss more later. Uh, but but I did, I did kind of, like, it, it did kind of wrap it together for me in a way that made it feel as if, this whole process meant something. Um, okay. And sure. so that's, you know, that, that's kind of how I felt that about it. I wasn't like overall blown away, but I was surprised at how, how well the last song I felt like wrapped it up for me. I, I actually have to agree that I, I do think that a lot of these stuff in here, there's not much going on, especially the, uh, I don't know all the songs names. So as I looked through it, the one with foxes where I'm, um, they're driving around where, Patrick Stump is driving around with the woman in the car, and they all kind of meet up, and then Patrick Stump turns into a demon or something. Um, Just One Yesterday is the song I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. That's one where they start using a lot of imagery from previous music videos, and Mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, no. I'm like, this is a little, like, lazy-esque, because especially watching it all at once, I'm just like, I I just saw this. (laughs) That's that's the, like, you know, you're watching friends or whatever, and they get to a Thanksgiving episode where they tell stories about previous Thanksgivings. Like, that's the flashback episode. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, I, but then I have to agree, I, I, when it gets to, um, really, like, story-wise, I guess, when it gets to, like, Death Valley, Ratatat, the last four songs in the album, I'm like, okay, something's starting to happen, you know? And and things actually, some cool imagery starts to happen and stuff like that, and I, and I get into it. And I have to agree with you, Ben. The imagery in Miss Missing You is fantastic, very, um, like, very John Waters, uh, very Gremlins of the Air, Spirit of the Clouds, the Alex Proyas movie. Almost very, like, Hills Have Eyes at certain extent, because mm-hmm. there's that one shot of, like, when they run into it, what, it's like Patrick Stump chasing Pete Wentz, and they run into a trailer, and just outside of the trailer is a dude, like, just bopping around, like, shake, like, he's headbanging and dancing, but nothing se- he doesn't really seem to be doing it with anything. He's just kind of having an episode. <laughs> yes. Fun. <laughs> And that's that's the music video where there's like we see a dude painting a fence, yeah, and then it turns out like he's on a chain, and somebody <laughs> else is like holding his chain on the other side of the fence, and like yep. pulling him like way too close to the fence to be you know an effective distance for painting. Yep, there's a and guy it, in a pool wrestling an inflatable alligator <laughs> oh, in that music oh video. Oh my god, I I loved that part. <laughs> That was some great shit. Yeah, great, great imagery in that. And then I, I definitely agree, you know, the, the save rock and roll, everything comes together. And and I really dig that song, Save Rock and Roll. I think it's because I'm a sucker for rock ballads. Um, and also Elton John is in it. Speaking of which, the people that they got for this. The, this, like, I mean, what? Uh, we got uh, Big Sean, uh, Elton John, like I mentioned, Courtney Love, like I mentioned, Foxes. Tommy Lee plays the devil. Uh, Two Chains is in this. Like, they got so many people to be involved with them in this. And I was like, wow, good for Fall Out Boy. And then, you know, especially after their hiatus, they really came back in a big way, uh, especially because the the first music video chronologically released, you know, before they really told the whole story was um, My Songs Know What You Did in the Dark. And Fall Out Boy's not even in that music video. It's just the the Vixens, as they're called, and 2 Chains. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the, he's the problem solver, apparently, in, in this in this video yes some of the credits in this is absolutely insane like i mean you know i mean we have like um uh tommy lee is the devil which is very on point elton john is god which is very on point um big sean i didn't have written down 
Um, and but I mean, some of the crediting is just wild. And and so so I guess I I think, you know, like I said, the one song I didn't like was Ratatat. But, you know, when we get to that more with Courtney Love and stuff like that, I, I'm with you, Ben. Like you said, that everything gets tied together at the end and at least they're trying to do something. I agree. I think there was like a meaning to all this. And when I first sat down and watched it, I was you know, I, I felt that some of the the themes were very blunt um, you know, very heavy-handed. I think the the example where I got that the most right off the bat was in the second song, Young Volcanoes, which is a song I actually really, really liked. But, I mean, you have imagery of a snake slithering through apples while the women are holding the men captive, you know, and, and, and you know, making them give into temptation, like food and drugs and drink and all that stuff. And I'm just like, this is a little too on the nose for me. And then also in Save Rock and Roll, the guitar pick as the communion wafer. I was like, <laughs> that's some cheesy shit right there. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I, I definitely thought the guitar pick as the communion wafer was pretty funny. <laughs> um, but, but I can see where you're coming from with, with the snakes and the apples. Yeah, um, yeah. I got so I got a lot of that religious yeah, imagery, especially yeah. when you know the devil and God comes in later. At least that's definitely how it comes across. And then they fight a demon at the end, or something along those lines. And they bring music back, or something. You know, I'm sure we'll talk about what this is about. But so I, I was like, oh, this is really neat. Like there, I mean, it might be a little heavy-handed. It might be like a little too in my face, or something like that. But it, I get kinda what's going on. Um, there's even a point I think in um in uh, the the song with foxes again. Um, just one yesterday, like Pete Wentz takes an apple, Pete Wentz or Adam Hurley, one of them takes an apple off of like a tree and bites into it and it's just filled with blood. And then he like vomits up a snake and I'm like, I get it. I'm like, I got it three (laughs) songs ago, you know? Um, but, but I, I was interested and I was like, well, what is, what are their thoughts on this? You know? And, and I very fortunately, I'll put this in the show notes too. I found a commentary for this you know, these chronicles, uh, this, this video series, uh, from Patrick Stump and Pete Wentz. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to watch this because hopefully I'll get some insight, you know? And I watched it and it's very awkward. Um, it, it's pretty uninformative. They actually do some editing to try and clean things up, but there are still some big chunks of silence. Um, so it was a little odd, but the thing that I took away from it the most that actually really surprised me, and this kind of led me to my final thoughts on this whole project. There's a lot of times in this commentary where Patrick Stump and Pete Wentz either together or separately say something along the lines of, um, yeah, I didn't read the treatment for this one. Like, I didn't know it was going to happen. Like, I kind of just went into it blind. Like, and there's stuff where, like, we just let the directors tell us what to do. And there's even a quote where Pete Wentz says something like, I don't think we really needed to get what was going on in this. We just needed to trust our directors. The idea was to tie the entire video around, uh, the snake. And I don't know what the snake represented, really. I would leave that to other people to kind of come up with. Yeah, one of, one of the things that, you know, we, we kind of struggled with a little bit is we wanted to understand how to portray a lot of this stuff but but sometimes uh andrew and adam would have ideas that would be so weird and you'd just go like do i do i need yeah, to understand I mean, it like or this do one I... was supposed to be a semi like biblical reference i guess and like a lot of the stuff is supposed to be also like very southern california if heaven's brings hell's rain and I was like, oh, so they didn't really know what was going on this whole time? Like, there's the, in, um, 
the Where Did the Party Go, I think the song is, the um, the song where Patrick Stump is hallucinating zombies in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that scene where, like, the nurse gets on him and starts riding him. That's when Patrick Stump was like, I, I just totally didn't read the treatment before we shot this. I didn't know she was going to do that. And I'm just like, really? I'm like, you didn't read what you're supposed to do that day or something like that? And, you know, the, when, um, when the, the girl goes topless in Young Volcanoes, Patrick Stump was like, I, I didn't know she was going to do that, you know? And that one's a little, you could, you know, it could have been a spur of the moment thing. But I was just like, I, I felt a little less respectful for this project, being a Fallout Boy project, I mean, because it seems like they didn't have too much knowledge of it. Does it is this something that maybe you two have heard of or have known about? Or maybe, you know, there's more information that maybe fills in some things. But I was really kind of shocked that they were just like, like, maybe the commentary was so awkward because they were watching it for one of the first times. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I also watched that commentary and I felt pretty similarly, Rob. It was super awkward. Like Patrick Stump would say something interesting and I would be like, all right, Pete, follow up with something. And it was just (laughs) blank stares. And I was like, wow. You guys are letting me down just a little bit. Okay, and I'm I, glad. I'm I, glad you watched it. I didn't know you watched it. I was <laughs> laughing hysterically because at, before I really started to get the sense that it was like sincerely awkward or truly awkward in the in the the Phoenix music video when Patrick Stump is like walking down the street with the briefcase um, handcuffed to him to his wrist. Pete Wentz says something like, "Where was this street?" And Patrick's like, <laughs> "I don't know." And he's like, no, but I mean, like, you know, we we, sh- we had to find this out of the way street. And he's like, I don't know, maybe in like Englewood or something. And he's like, I, I don't remember. And then they just stop talking about it. And I'm like, and that's when I was like, oh, man, is this is this like some deadpan comedy? And it turns out, I don't know, it seems so awkward for the whole thing. This is, uh, what street was this? No, this is not a, it looks familiar, but it's not. It's really far off. It's in, it's in, um. I can't remember. No, no, no. What street is it? But I don't. Where is it? Is it like Westwood? That beats me, man. This looked like a safe neighborhood, is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> yes, it, it was. It was a very unlikely neighborhood for this to I have mean, happened. That's incredibly interesting. I didn't. I did not watch the commentary. I um, Gabe found it, and she said she was going to watch it. And I, I think we kind of collectively made the decision that I wouldn't watch it, <laughs> sure. uh, just so we wouldn't have overlapping uh content so that so that i could have something to say rob but you went and watched it so (laughs) yeah don't mind me third wheel no no it's all good i'm glad you felt the same way though because it would have been interesting you know if you were just like no that's 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 just how it is that's how they are i don't know if they are that way or anything like that um but i i was really more shocked by the the fact that there was so much stuff where they're like we we're fallout boy we don't really need to get it you know we just we just uh we just like went on we just like followed what the directors did and don't get me wrong there were some neat tidbits of info like uh some bits in the commentary that i was like okay that's actually pretty fun from filming perspective or something but after i you know heard this i had to look in who the directors were um it's a duo that goes by zay donald uh i think zay is how to spell it i found like one youtube person mention it it wasn't an interview so i'm not sure but z-a-e-h uh so they go by zay donald it's adam donald and andrew zay Together, as this duo, so under the name Zay Donald, uh, these videos are the only thing they've directed. Independently, um, Adam Donald has directed uh, some TI music videos and I think a good chunk, if not all, of the episodes of um, Talk with Aquafina. And Andrew Zay has directed a Trey Songz music video. So this project was really kind of their first big thing. And I guess I have to say, you know, 
that there is a vision to this. There is something going on, I think, like like you and I were saying, Ben. And it's really the directors. that They just let these directors kind of go off and, and just run with it. And Fallout Boy, I mean, uh, Stump and Wentz do talk very highly of the directors in the commentary. You know, it doesn't come across like, you know, oh, we hired the wrong people. You know, they really talk about how they made it work on their shoestring budget and stuff like that. Um, so I, I kind of see this less as a Fallout Boy project and more as a Zay Donald project that involves Fallout Boy. Um, and I'm sure if I had included that in my letterbox review, I would have started a flame war. <laughs> <laughs> After watching the commentary, I definitely feel the same. I was like, you guys were just in someone else's project. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I thought of it otherwise, you know, until I, until I heard that. But I, I guess, you know, speaking of the vision and, and what this is getting at, um, I know, like, I was talking about the religious imagery, imagery. Like you said, Ben, you know, we'll get to some of the thoughts as we get to when it all ties up in those last three or four songs. But I did find an MTV article, like um, a um, a release, a press release for this, talking about it, you know, when it was coming, these this long-form version was coming out, and the article says, quote, Thematically, the film is intended to convey the deceit within each of us that we have to uncover in the search for who we truly are. So, I don't know, take that what you will, that's not what I got from this. I got a lot more of, you know, we need to save rock and roll, that's kind of <laughs> the message that I took. But I, I just, I was kind of trying to fill in this, like, you know, convey deceit within each of us that we have to uncover in the search for who we truly are. Did you guys get any of searching for yourself or finding out who you really are? And I, I get the deceit part. I mean, it is kind of weird. Maybe, Gabe, you can give us some perspective on this. All of the evil characters, with the exception of Tommy Lee as the devil, are women in this music series. And I, I guess, you know, the deceit from women. I know Fall Out Boy in the commentary, they say something about, isn't it rough when a girl goes bad? Yeah, we've written albums <laughs> about it and, and things like that. But I didn't really get any, you know, searching for your true self. Except maybe bits and pieces, not as a full theme or anything like that. I don't know. What did you did you guys pick up on any of that? So I I've got like this this kind of like I said this theme that I kind of projected onto this music video. Sure. Whether, uh, and it sounds like from 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 everything you've told me, uh, there is literally zero chance that Fall Out Boy had these same feelings about it when they <laughs> when they were doing it. Um, which I I didn't know any of that. Uh, searching searching for yourself is kind of in my theme it's not ex i wouldn't have phrased it that way myself but it does kind of fit but but overall i guess not really this the deceit within yourself definitely not i didn't pick up okay that at all. okay i mean if, if you want to hold off for when we get to a certain song or something uh feel free but i mean i'm ready to hear your theme now if you want to lay it out uh so um actually i guess gabe i i want you to kind of go over the the, the thing you've mentioned about when fans cross over um, oh yeah, I meant to meant to prepare for this. So like, I have this idea that there's almost a, a bell curve in terms of fandom. So like, the X axis is how much of a fan you are, and Y is how much respect you have for the band. Okay. So like, you're a moderate fan. You care about the actual people behind the work that you see, and you're invested in them. But then you like step into major fan, and you love it enough that you're kind of willing to destroy it. So, like, you love sure. Fall Out Boy so much that you make it hard for other people to be interested in them. I, that I Yeah, I get what you're saying. I think, you, you know, men you mentioned it before with the gatekeeping um, idea. And, and I feel like, you know, that, that has happened throughout a lot of time and stuff. I mean, you know, the, the, the common thing, as I think you already mentioned, Gabe, of, you know, 
you like don't listen to him you're not gonna get him or anything like that yeah yeah <laughs> um i mean i feel like we we st- uh, not feel like i think i know we still see that today with some of the the huge huge um groups i i knew some people in college so not today but i knew some people like that with taylor swift mm-hmm. um i i think the the example that comes to mind right now is uh bts i feel like bts has a lot of crazy fans that you know will will just will start flame wars and things on the internet um maybe oh my god when somebody tells you you don't get bts do you tell them that they actually do, don't sing in english <laughs> like, like do you tell them that because that would be some funny shit to tell people i uh i will put that in my repertoire thankfully nobody has ever spoken to me personally about okay. bts okay. so i've just seen it on the internet but to use another example i think one gabe um we, we've talked about before and you're very familiar with i think the fans of the streamer dream are very very highly on the far right of the bell curve uh yes. making sure nobody says anything bad about about him yes yeah and that's that's crazy <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so like you you love something so much that you you tear it down um like post hiatus so this the say rock and roll album came out post hiatus uh i know fallout boy got a lot of flack from the the fans that cared about them the most mm-hmm. they were so upset to see the end of fallout boy so i think they were definitely experiencing some of the uh far right side fans Sure, sure. It also makes me think of um, the idea of when, you know, a a band gets so respected or hardcore fans of a band love them so much and then a new album comes out and they dismiss it, they hate it, you know, like, oh, they sold out or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like there's a lot of that there as well. And and it's it's rough. It's definitely rough. I mean, I think, you know, Ben, we talked about that happened with um, Modest Mouse to some extent when um, Mm. the album that came out, uh, Strangers to Ourselves, the album that came out when we were living near each other, people were just like, what the hell is this? Especially the song Pistol. Remember, I've got my, oh my pistol God, in my nice. car. And I feel like the diehard Modest Mouse fans, the more diehard than me, because I love that song. That fucking song Pistol has grown on me so much over the years. But I feel like so many diehard fans was were like, is this a joke? Like, are they trolling us or something? <laughs> <laughs> Um, that, the pistol in my car, uh, I mean, th- this balloon is for my friends is what I have to tell you. About <laughs> I still, it pops into my head so often whenever I stay up later, I'm staying up late with somebody. There's that line in pistol where it's like, I was up all night, not ready for the meeting. <laughs> like that has stuck with me for so long. And that, that song's great now. I, I remember Nick and I going to see Modest Mouse after that album came out, um, in Pittsburgh sometime after that album came out and we were talking to people in line and we were like what do you think of the new album they're like it's pretty good except that one song and it was just like immediately you knew they were going to talk about pistol like it was a hundred percent like of the time yeah i had no idea i i like the song pistol (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i got a backpack with some clothes that i could wear to work tomorrow they won't know but i was up all night not ready for the meeting oh no got a wallet in my backpack and i think it's mine but i don't care you know We're a, we might um, be a little to the right of, you know, the mean and the bell curve that Gabe's presented, but we're not so far right that we're an outlier, I think. <laughs> that's that's good, I think. Yes, uh, I, so, I yeah, so uh, to the theme that I that I kind of projected on, onto this video, uh, it, it comes from this idea that, that you can have fans who are 
so like self-interested or, or I should say like they're, they're into what it is that you've created, but they're into it because of how they love it. And, and therefore like they are not, um, they're not necessarily caring about the artists as much as they care about the art. And, and to the point that they, that their interactions with the artists could be even harmful and they would do things like get pissed off that you needed to take a break, mm-hmm. you know, shit like that, because yeah. they, they just want more of your content. So to that end, or, or rather with that in mind, um, what I saw, and, and and this was, like I said, it all kind of wrapped together for me in, in the final video. I think of the contents of the briefcase as something like the the last shred of humanity left that an artist has after dealing with fans like this. Okay. Um, okay. And so it is something that he has the need to protect and to protect it. He, they lock it in a briefcase and put it on his wrist and, and handcuff it to his wrist. And then the Vixens and all the other, the, the, you know, kind of the ne'er-do-wells in this video or in this collection of videos uh, are, are those fans to the point that they are willing to destroy you to get the last bit out of you. Oh, okay. I really like that. I mean, of course, when when you talked about the fans, you know, it definitely makes me think of the Vixens kidnapping them in, what, the first two or three songs, uh, the the gangs of kids that attack them, um, you know, and then the, uh, the zombies in the hospital. But I, I like that last bit you said about, you know, they'll destroy you just to get that last little bit. I mean, I think that fits perfectly. Um, imagery, I really, really like that kind of... Um, you know, swastika esque musical notes with the with the cross through through it of the um of the mm. the whole you know cult I guess for lack of a better term at the end. In- interesting. I like I like that Ben. And then so would you say that kind of the end the wrap up maybe in in Miss Missing You and Save Rock and Roll is that they they are reborn. They don't they don't let the last shred be taken from them. You know they come back all in white and they they've cast out their demons and they're able to destroy that that evil or that last shred that maybe lets them into a new world. Uh, that's just kind so, of what you said is making me think. Yeah. So so you're kind of you're kind of on the on the same path I was. Uh, the, you know. So they you know at first there's like the, there's the one guy who gets kind of turned and he and he's also being harmful to to them. Mm-hmm. And I I think that has to do with like being influenced by the fans to be a um, kind of to become a nuisance um, to, to maybe even start like you were once trusted with this last shred of, of whatever it is that we have that's worth keeping to ourselves. And now you can no longer be trusted because you've been corrupted. Sure. Um, so I, I kind of get the sense like, that's what, what I think it's stump, right? Patrick stump, mm-hmm. which yeah. I, I have, to, I got to say, I love that they call him, or, or that he's the one that gets his hand cut off <laughs> since his last name is Stump. Yes, um, yes. There's even a point in the commentary where he they bring that up, and Patrick Stump is like, "Oh, do you get it?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay, maybe I like it less now. Um, but, but so you know, so he he's corrupted. He ends up being kind of their downfall. But then they then they all come together and they regroup away from prying eyes. So this mm-hmm. is the time they're in heaven. Is they they have their time to rehabilitate themselves, uh, and then they come back on the scene and they start playing music again, and and somebody manages to open the briefcase that is this last shred of things that they kept to themselves, and now they have become resilient enough that they can cope with the fact that somebody did that to them. Sure, okay, yeah, um, I dig that. So the demon coming out of the briefcase is is to symbolize the damage that somebody is doing by invading your privacy in that way. 
Not that the demon was in the briefcase the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Just that the act of opening the briefcase essentially is the demon. Sure, and especially also because what the uh, the briefcase is opened by those um, you know masked figures that seem to be cult like and very demonic and very you know agents of chaos or something along those lines. Right. So it's more of a a, a filter. What whatever's in the briefcase gets filtered through whoever opens it, type of thing, which is a neat right. idea for sure. Right. So so then you know Fallout Boy comes out and they're they're able to kind of slay the demon, and I think that's that symbolizes their. The fact that they have become rejuvenated and they have become made whole again to the point that they can deal with such, like, tragedy is not exactly the right word, but, like, such, such like, a, an invasion of, of their privacy um, and, you know, the degradation of them as people. Because, as we've been discussing, the, these kind of toxic fans, I think they do degrade the artists as people. They don't, they don't think of the artists as people mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, th- that's, like, once I... Once I saw that final video, I was like, oh, my God, like somebody was saying something with this. Um, <laughs> sure. I, I'm not so certain that it's Fallout Boy now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, while they were on hiatus, they took a break because they wanted to explore different musical avenues. All four of them went on to do different things. Patrick Stump went on to do a solo album and a whole lot more music with a lot of other performers uh, in 2012. Or, oh, yeah, 2012. Patrick Stump just kind of vanished uh, because he was not able to cope with the criticisms that he was receiving for his solo album and the last Fall Out Boy album. Uh, even stating that I feel like the universe is telling me to just disappear based on all of this hate. Okay. So I, f- I feel like, I don't know, like if we were to try to make uh, the Youngblood Chronicles actually related to Fall Out Boy's experience and not just whatever the directors were trying to do, them dying and then coming back from these toxic fans, I guess. I don't yeah, know, I feel like y- yeah, there's I mean- something there. Definitely. That's that's kind of I'm glad you you told me that, because when I first watched it prior to watching the commentary, I got the sense, like I said, the the religious, maybe more biblical imagery. And knowing that this was them coming back from hiatus, I kind of took the main theme to be, oh, you know, they're they're coming back. Exactly. Their resurrection, their rebirth. They're coming back. They're saving rock and roll. um, And, you know, they're they're coming back into form. And it just kind of, you know, because it ends with them succeeding. Well, it actually ends with Elton John covered in a lot of blood, which is a great shot, but <laughs> it ends with them succeeding. And so I was like, oh, okay, you know, I should look into, well, why did they break up? Well, why did they go on hiatus? You know, what did they do and things like that? And how did that influence these? But then I watched the commentary and I kind of just, you know, I- ignored that that thought because mm-hmm. I-, I learned so much more about the directors. But that's exactly what I was thinking. And I was thinking that, you know, oh, there maybe there is some dealing with the fans or, or things like that. So I kind of like that, you know, Maybe that's what most Fallout Boy fans, the the diehard or the hardcore ones, maybe they they see that as this or something along those lines. Um, uh, maybe because they haven't seen the commentary or something like that. But I kind of like that, you know, it it, it kind of fits in in both ways, I, or maybe not both ways. They almost kind of blend together, you know, what what uh, Gabe you said, what Ben you said, in the idea that you know the the base idea is there. How much we can, you know. Um, expand on it is is up to a little bit more interpretation when you have certain bits of information i guess is what i'm saying so i have to say probably uh i have a i have a tie which i wanted to uh to pick you guys brains on tie for um the best moment in this this uh music video series the the two that are in the running are in the mighty fall when big sean snaps a kid's neck 
that's pretty great. <laughs> oh yeah. And I also have to say, I think it's in De- yeah Death Valley um, when the cops rip off Patrick Stump's hook hand and <laughs> fingerprint his bloody stump. <laughs> Those two are excellent moments, but I, I I'm kind of leaning towards fingerprinting the stump because that's just crazy you know <laughs> that's not uh, gonna do I, anything <laughs> all right so gabe and i watched this together she might be able to correct me but i think i commented about both of those moments as they were happening <laughs> he did he did <laughs> they're major standouts yeah <laughs> yeah so the the kids the kids neck thing that that greatly reminds me of andrew garfield under the silver lake just punching that child oh sure yeah yep yeah. <laughs> uh and so i i think to some degree i have a soft spot in my heart for violence to children um <laughs> <laughs> but uh but no i i i also thought hampering the bloody stump was ridiculous yeah whoever had that idea you know whether it was one of the directors whether it was fallout boy or whatever whoever had that idea you like props to them that is that is just so visually interesting and then when you think about it it's just like that's that's just goofy for the sake of goofy <laughs> oh yeah there's obviously no like what I'm losing a word. Forensic value to that. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, especially because you know it's a it's a print. It's not like they're taking a blood sample or anything. And no. I mean, once again, good on whoever had that idea or whatever group of people had that idea. Because I feel the easy way out, if they had written them or you know, um, you know, had their treatment that got him into the position where Patrick Stump had to be, you know, go to jail and had to be interrogated by the police or you know, put into central lockup or something like that. I feel like the easy way out would have been, oh, they just dip his hook in ink and put it on a piece of paper. And and that would have just been like, okay, you know, well, duh, like the cops are stupid or something. But here it's (laughs) like the cops are stupid, but they're maliciously stupid because they they like what one cop is holding Patrick Stump and the other one is literally pulling the hook hand off. Like it is brutal. Yes, definitely. Um, (laughs) I I definitely thought that was pretty good. I, I think I would probably vote for that moment as well, although I... The guy wrestling the inflated gator, oh, like yes. that, yes. that I think maybe even beats out those two scenes for me because I thought that shit was so, especially because like the pool has a cage around it as if there's danger to people on the outside. Yes, yes. It, yeah, it looked Which, like a like a trampoline net around the pool or something. <laughs> yeah, yes. It was, yeah, it was some kind of like makeshift cage. <laughs> Yes. yes. I thought that was hilarious. I hope whoever came up with that idea really viewed that as like a UFC cage fight between this dude and the alligator. (laughs) And they were like, we need a cage. Perfect. I love it. (laughs) Uh, Inflated Gator is going to have to take number two for me. And uh, the printing the the stump. (laughs) That takes the whole thing. I don't think there's a scene that's better than that. Oh, right on, right on. I, I also, also in Death Valley, I do have to mention, um, maybe an honorable mention, it's not really a moment, but it's like a, a part of the story, the um, the bass guitar machete and the snare drum crossbow that they mm-hmm. get. I'm just like, sign me up. I'm like, here we go. <laughs> and that's that's what, the fourth to last song or something like that. And that's where I'm really like, okay, things are starting to move here. <laughs> Especially yeah. because that follows where did the party go? And where did the party go? I'm just like, what am I supposed to be taking from this? Like, is I'm like, is he hallucinating? Are these like, hi- is this the history of the hospital? Are they zombies? I was just so lost in that music video. Sure. I actually, I do want to point out in terms of moments, um, I did really like that uh, Alone Together starts off with all four of the Fallout boys. I know that's not appropriate because they're not the Fallout boys, but the boys <laughs> from Fallout Boy. In like separately, like separated from each other in in different rooms, each alone. So they're all alone at the same time, which makes them alone together. 
Oh, I just yes. thought that was that was like a, a fun little goofy thing. And then uh, where did the party go? So that's Patrick Stump running into the hospital searching yeah. for the other three bandmates. And um, so he's looking for the party. He doesn't know where the party went, like the party <laughs> of people. Like he doesn't know. So where did it go? I just like those two things. I was like, oh, man, that's uh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Just take it as take it right at face value. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm glad you mentioned Alone Together, and that was um, this one of the probably the first song where I was like, I really like this imagery because um, the first song, you know, is just what the hand getting cut off and stuff like that. The second song is the whole uh, in your face biblical stuff. The Alone Together imagery of all of them, all the band members, of course, as you said, separated, you know, um, they're being restrained and like straightjacketed while being surrounded by different things and i think this is going back what we said about the theme like one of them surrounded by a bunch like a speakers and sound and stuff like that one of them surrounded by a bunch of mannequins um like like fans or hollow fans one surrounded by cameras um one's on a stage with the spotlights and has kid throw like kids throw like (laughs) produce at them and stuff like that i thought that was really neat i was that's where i was first started getting the sense where oh maybe this is in that sense like a resurrection or something that, you know, they've been kidnapped by the Vixens, they've been put through temptation, and now they're being forced back into these places that look very painful, but are mimicking, you know, what fans do to these artists, whether it be in concert, whether it be, you know, with from feedback or, or you know, reviews or anything like that. That's when I was like, I'm so into this. And then I really liked that, you know, Big Sean showed up. I, I mean, we don't really know why he's there. Seems like he just got captured, too. Um, but, you know, I was like, oh, they captured Big Sean, too. That's fun. <laughs> But yeah, that imagery was on point for me. I was all into that. I have to say about that, you know, from the commentary, um, Pete Wentz says that um, each member is put in a room that is supposed to represent their character. That Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand. But he also goes on to say that the video is, like I was saying, poking fun at some of the things they go through uh, as a band. And I was like, okay, you know, that makes more sense. I, I didn't really put a lot of thought into it because, I mean, it kind of moves so fast at, you know, 45 minutes, 11 songs, that type of thing, where I didn't really see how, like, each one is going through, like, or what they were going through in those straight jackets represented their character. Maybe the Patrick Stump one, because, you know, when he gets turned demonic, he starts to hate music. There's even that scene later on where he's, like, breaking records and stuff like that, and he starts to just hate music. The other ones, I'm just like, I don't really see how it goes because the other ones maybe don't have too much of a character, you know? I think without any dialogue, uh, it is very difficult to get any kind of characters. Like, sure, Andy, Joe, and Pete all may as well be the same character. They're just the one that's not Patrick. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And especially, I mean, Joe. Joe's the one who dies first, and he just goes to party hell. And um, I was like, I don't really know what that has to do with his character, but he's now he's in party hell, that type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I also really liked about Alone Together that in the commentary they say that um, the the shot at the end of them all coming out of the hospital while they're, they have the bags over their head, they say that was the hardest to film because they kept going the wrong way and walking into things. <laughs> <laughs> And I and they say they I'm sure they're exaggerating, but they say something that it took like a ton of takes. And I'm I'll have to see if the if the clip, you know, uh, references this, but they give I think they give a big number. And I'm just like, this shot took so long. This was the this was everyone asked what's the hardest shot. This shot of us coming out blindfolded like we all went the wrong way and then whatever and hit our heads on stuff. And you didn't even see us. That was by far one of my favorites to film. 
I'm like, did they spin you around in chairs? Like, were you dizzy? <laughs> like, it's fucking like, go out, like, count your steps or something. Like, go out, make a, make a left, go into the van, you know? They, uh, they probably should have just hired professionals for that part. <laughs> sure, sure. Just like quick stuntmen or something. Just, just... Because apparently they kept walking into stuff. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what? I feel like maybe I would do that once. And I'd be like, okay, you know, I I took two steps instead of three and I hit the door by mistake. But I mean, to do that over and over, I was just like, oh, God, were they were they not prepared for this? Maybe it's another instance. They didn't read the treatment. They were just like, okay, now we're going to put bags (laughs) in your head. You're going to go. And they were just like scatter, you know, and it's like, no, that's not what we're doing. You did you did you not listen to us? That's pretty funny. I, I didn't know this. I, I definitely like I I enjoy the idea of like a three blind mice kind of vibe. Just walking oh, in the things. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but I uh, I mean other things I wanted to mention, uh, right off the top of my head, uh, you know, there's this notion of in um the song that you liked, Ben, uh, Miss Missing You. Uh, another thing from Ooh. the commentary that I thought was interesting. This one was was in a weird order, I thought, as they talked about it, because there's a moment in the commentary where, you know, they're going through um the Miss Missing You music video, and, you know, uh, Patrick Stump and Pete Wentz are saying something like, you know, oh, we really like the way this shot, we really like the imagery, we like that it's in black and white, that gives it a very artistic feel. And I'm like, yes, yes, okay, you know, that's what... That's like a very film, a film school student thing to say, but sure, you know, nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. And then a little later on during the same like commentary on that track, they say something like, oh, yeah, well, we had to put this in black and white because the shoot took so long that the light changed. So at the end of the day, we were using non-natural light, and if we kept it all in color, it wouldn't look the same. So we had to just make it all in black and white. And I was <laughs> like... Yeah, that's that is why you would use black and white for that. Um, and of course, they couldn't come back the next day or anything. It seemed they were on a really tight budget. Um, but I liked that it was reversed, where they were like, "Oh, this is so good. It's so artistic. It's such a great decision." And then they were like, "It was a decision forced of necessity." <laughs> <laughs> it, actually, it actually wasn't really a decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, as I scroll through my notes to find the thing I was trying to think of that I lost, were there any other moments you guys wanted to highlight that we haven't yet? So watching this again for the first time after several years. Okay. The, the first several times I watched it, I watched it like a lot in a couple of months because I loved it. This spoke to my soul. Watching it again, I'm like, okay, this is kind of bad. Um, <laughs> what I loved about it was not the story at all. Uh, I think what I really liked were two songs. Where did the party go? I know it's a wreck with all the zombies, but I don't know. I had such a connection to it, I guess. Would you say that's um, your favorite song on the, well, I guess on the album, because, you know, all these are from the album. Or did you have, a, or was that like your, your second favorite? Because did you had two you wanted to highlight. Uh, I think, I don't think Where Did the Party Go is my favorite on the album. But in the Youngblood Chronicles, it really spoke to me. I guess just gotcha. uh, Patrick Stump's character not being in control of himself and trying to hurt the people that he cares about. And then eventually killing Joe and coming to and realizing what he's done and then seeing his friends face to face, them knowing what they've done, what Patrick has done. Sure. Like, I don't know that it hit me, I guess, not being in control and then coming back to reality and having to face what you've done or like coming back to reality and realizing that, you know, you were off somewhere else having a party and and now no one's here. Sure. No, I I could see what you're saying. I, I dig that. I feel like the whole video did the did the song justice. Yeah, I'm remembering now. I think that's the at the end when um Joe hi- hides in like a cabinet or something mm-hmm. and gets found. And mm-hmm. the way that's edited is very weird because it's like yeah. it shows him run Joe run into the room, look around, 
and then it like cuts to something else, cuts back to him, and he's like opening the door to the cabinet, cuts away, cuts back to him. He's in the cabinet closing the door. Like there's no <laughs> shot of him getting in the cabinet. And it's just it's just very oddly edited. But I mean they're all I mean this whole thing is edited like a music video. I mean they they do right. mu- common music video tricks and stuff like that, which I can't, you know, short them for or anything. It's um there's a reason that you can break the 30 degree rule in a music video is because the beat of the song doesn't make your, your you know prevents your brain from realizing that they're doing quick edits around one object and things like that. Um, but no, mm. I actually I didn't think of where did the party go in that way. But you're absolutely right, and that's that's neat. What would you say? You know, apart from Youngblood Chronicles, do you have a favorite song on the album? It's probably Save Rock and Roll. Okay, right on. Right Just on. like some of the the opening lyrics. Let me uh, let me look those up real quick. Is it is there any chance that it's in part because you recently started to like love Elton John? Uh, no, I did really. <laughs> this song was my ringtone before I got into Elton John. Okay. Oh, nice. So that's evidence. <laughs> I like that Elton John has come up twice in this series because we talked about him and Eminem and Eight Mile in the Eight Mile episode. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we did him and uh, they did they yeah because they did that thing at that award show. Yep. Or... Yep. Oh, yeah, and Elton John's great in this. I mean, they even mention in the commentary where they're just like, you know, when Elton John came in, he just like, he was a champ, he did everything. I'm like, yeah, he's like one of the greatest performers of all time, you know? <laughs> they were like, he just sat down and busted it all out. And I'm like, yeah, he's been doing this forever. <laughs> <laughs> and I love I love the fact of, of him as, as God. Uh, great juxtaposition to Tommy Lee as the devil, who is a little devilish in real life, you know, I mean, um, founder of Motley Crue, very famously, I think most famously, you know, for his, uh, sex tape with Pamela Anderson that got leaked back in the day, which Hulu just made like a series about or something, which I'm not going to watch, but I was hearing about that and it's called like Pam and Tommy. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And it's like, it's about the sex tape. And, um, but then of course, you know, he's, he's not a series about that. Yeah. Yeah. They just, they just like made like a, um, I don't know who's in it or anything. It, it didn't come across as like any big names, but it was just kind of like, like a, a, a dr- dramatization, you know, not like a documentary about it, but actually, you know, like, um, I oh. guess docudrama would be the right word type of thing. Okay. Um, but then, you know, Tommy Lee, um, has his problems with Pamela Anderson for many, many years. And, uh, very famously the story I always remember, he kicked Pamela Anderson while she was holding their child. <laughs> Oh, God. That's a that's a rough move right there. That is a rough fucking move. And to top it off, he pled no contest to it. So, you know, he didn't say he didn't plead guilty, he pled no contest, which is almost the same as pleading guilty. Uh, so, yeah, uh, he works as the devil, I have to say. Save Rock and Roll has got to be my other favorite one on the video, but are in the in the whole film. The Elton John, of course, helps a lot. But uh, some of the lines in Save Rock and Roll, uh, I need more dreams and less life. I cried tears you'll never see, so fuck you. You can go cry me an ocean and leave me be. Like, I feel like that's so good in the beginning of this track in the Youngblood Chronicles. Absolutely. I have to agree, like, actually. One of my um my alternates for the quote I used to start was going to be, I need more dreams and less life. That line stood out to me a lot as well.
another one how to get to be only me like i'm the last damn kicking that last damn kid still kicking that still believes i don't know they just felt really well placed in the the whole film sure sure i i i agree i mean uh, maybe that that brings us to something from what i've looked up the the save rock and roll album the last track on the album you know not counting the PAX AM Days Edition two, Disc 2. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Ignoring the Japanese bonus tracks and the Japanese deluxe DVDs and things like that. Because I, I didn't listen to any of those. They're not a part of this. I mean, the whole weird way that Japan gets bonus tracks is insane. But Save Rock and Roll is the last track on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, I did kind of like that they reorganized the album for the purposes of the Youngblood Chronicles. Um, that, you know, they're, they're not in the same order. Uh, and except, I think, for the Phoenix and Save Rock and Roll. Um, maybe there's some others in correct places. But I liked at least that, you know, whether it be Fall Out Boy, whether it be the directors, you know, that type of thing, that they, you know, at least were saying, oh, let's actually take this and rearrange it. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, and I hope that, you know, they, they had some thematic elements from the song play into their reason of why to put things in certain places and why to put that, you know, part of the of the music video or part of the story in that specific music video. But I, I really like that, that, you know, I'm, I'm sure that if I ever, you know, was sitting down one day and for some reason the bug, like, bit me and I was like, oh, I should listen to Save Rock and Roll. Now I would have to think after I listen to the album, like, I'd be like, well, which order do I like better? Because I'm imagining, <laughs> like, when I hear, you know, like, um, Young Volcanoes, which is track nine on the album and is the second song in the Youngblood mm-hmm. Chronicles, I'm going to get to that point and I'm going to be able to, I'm only going to think of that, you know, biblical imagery. And I might be like, this is not where this belongs, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this should not come after Death Valley. What is this nonsense? <laughs> I've definitely struggled with that a little bit before. I'm like, I wish they were just in the same order, but I'm also glad that some amount of decision went into like which songs we're going to do when for the Youngblood Chronicles. Yeah. Some yeah. decisions were made. Yes. That- oh, and I'm, I'm sure you heard in the commentary, the first one they ever did was um, my songs know what you did in the dark. Cause that was their mm-hmm. lead single. And then they kind of grew it out from there. The thing that doesn't make sense to me is why they chose to arrange them in the album in a different way than they chose to arrange them for the videos. Mm, that's a, that's like, a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like you've been, it seems like you've been thinking about it from like the other perspective. It's like, why did they? They could have just made the album in the right order. <laughs> Definitely, I would, I would say the album was done before they were fully committed to to doing all these videos. I can accept that as an answer. Like, I'm sure they did the first one with two chains, and they're like, "We should do this for all of them." And then after the fourth one, they're like, "That was stupid. We shouldn't have done this. This is a lot of work." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I would imagine it's something like that, but I don't know. I mean, I, I couldn't find anything, you know, directly from um, the directors, uh, Zay Donald, the duo of directors, about this. Um, Fall Out Boy seems to be the face of it, and that's what their fans want. So I, I guess, you know, maybe if Zay Donald ever gets more famous or does more things other than talk with Aquafina, we might get some more information <laughs> from interviews. I just, I, you know, you said this is like one of the only things they've done. Was this a career ender for them? Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, it's not like this gets a massive amount of hate. I mean, what we were saying before, and you gave, I mean, if you like Fallout Boy, you're going to like this, I guess. Sure. Okay. So the Tommy Lee thing I wanted to bring up, um, I guess the other thing I wanted to mention, you know, maybe on the same vein of Tommy Lee that they got Tommy Lee involved in, uh, you know, he's not, not the, the, the greatest person, as we know. I mentioned it. It's, it's the song I don't like, Ratatat. It's because that's when Courtney Love comes into play. I'm I'm fine with the Big Sean verse in uh, uh, the Mighty Fall. I mean, I'm biased because I like Big Sean a lot. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm fine with I 
I think 2 Chains has something going on. Foxes, I'm fine with her stuff. Foxes has some, like, backing vocals in that other song. The Alton John stuff is great. But I, I mean, once again, this might be my personal bias, but I wanted to know what you guys thought. I don't think the, the Courtney Love, her doing the, the scream talking that she kind of does all the time, I don't think it fit well. Maybe not. I'm thinking more, maybe it didn't fit well in, like, the essence of Fallout Boy. Like, it seemed like a guest verse that didn't really click with me. Because, it, you know, it's distorted, it sounds like it's coming through a megaphone or something like that. Maybe to even fit some of the music video, who knows. But I'm, I'm just like, this seems so out of place. Where, where I felt like, you know, like Elton John fits in that rock ballad at the end. Um, the Big Sean verse, it has the same flow as the rest of the song. And, of course, he's throwing his own style on it, but at least it keeps, like, the, the momentum of the song up. This this just kind of, you know, especially in the music video, it took me to a grinding halt where I was like, this feels very out of place. I don't know, what it, did that stand out to either of you? Uh, I think Ratatat as a whole is kind of an odd song for Fall Out Boy. Just like the, the Ratatat-tat chanting, that's, I don't know if that's, really similar to any other songs that they've made okay okay that's um, a good point and they don't yeah. have a lot of people featured in tracks on their other albums like save rock and roll there's someone in like every other track mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. i think there's only like one person in every album prior to this oh i didn't even think about that but yeah i mean i'm uh when i hear about fallout boy or when i like look up when I'm on my music forums or whatever and I'm looking up upcoming albums or when singles get released, you know, I never see, like, Fallout Boy X somebody else, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I, I've never, I could imagine, you know, that one day, if, if Fallout Boy was more into this, it'd be like, oh, like, Fallout Boy featuring 21 Pilots or, mm -hmm. uh, like, other the other emo bands I mentioned or, like, even, like, um, uh, Cute is What We Aim For or, like, Gym Class Heroes and stuff like yeah. that. But you're right. I just never notice any of that. I never see them pop up with anybody else. That's a really interesting idea. And maybe they had so many people on the album because they were trying to come back and they were trying to branch out to as many additional people as they could. Sure. Additional sure. audiences. But uh, I guess when you have that many, so what is this, like, six people on this album? One of them's not going to stick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I, I didn't hate the the screen talking uh but i definitely don't think it's like fantastic um and i i'm a like i'm generally pretty okay with with a, a band branching out and doing something different mm -hmm. and this is something different for fallout boy but i can definitely see why it would be you know the one song that somebody doesn't like on the album or something like that Sure, sure. Uh, I, I guess also, like I said, I am biased. I dislike Courtney Love. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you guys, Gabe and Ben, if you knew this was going to come up, but uh, I'm sure someone in our audience, as I mentioned, Courtney Love at the start, knew I was going to have you have to ask you guys this: Do you think she hired somebody to kill Kurt Cobain? Because that's oh, the conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes. Okay, Ben's going hard yes right out. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> Ben's yeah. like, make yeah. a House of Gucci-esque movie that just basically is the same thing, except without <laughs> the Gucci's, it's Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain. And the You ever try to shoot yourself in the head with a shotgun, Rob? It's uh, not easy. Can't say that I have. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're kind of long. Well, you know, where there is a will, there is a way. Uh, That's true, yeah. but there's also a handgun at most stores. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
But, ben, when you say that, it makes me think of um, there's that moment in uh, the Guy Ritchie movie Revolver, which I love, which Ben and I have to talk about one day as we go through more Guy Ritchie stuff, where um, where one of the, the, the goons, Ray Liotta's goons, is chasing um, Jason Statham, and, like, Jason Statham, you know, jumps over a fence or something like that, or, or off of a, like, a walkway or something like that. But he has to do, like, a little parkour move type of thing. And the guy who's closest to him for some reason, in the movie, his name is Slim Biggins, and he's a, he's a pretty heavy dude, you know? He's, like, a, a muscly, muscly, but, you know, kind of stocky guy. And he tries to, like, do the same parkour move that Jason Statham does, fails, and shoots himself in the face with the shotgun he was running with. And, <laughs> and that's what it makes me think of, that Ben is like, you know, you know how hard it is to shoot your head, yourself in the head with a shotgun? It'd be like, yeah, you'd have to be doing parkour while out of breath holding a shotgun. <laughs> it's a pretty specific scenario. <laughs> I, I, for one, just don't think Kurt Cobain was doing that. That's fair. So, That's fair. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think that he was responsible for his own death. Uh, Gabe, do you have any opinions on the, the Courtney Love conspiracy? I don't know enough to say anything. I knew some kids in middle school that were like, she did it. They were so confident. But oh, I don't, that's, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because the conspiracy, you know, after Kurt Cobain killed himself is the conspiracy kind of just, you know, took its legs and, and, and things got, you know, and things people ran with it and stuff like that. I have definitely noticed that when I've like talked to people about this, it came up actually a few years ago, like Flatbush Zombies released a song where they, they were like singing. Some of their verse was about like, hey, Courtney killed Kurt, stuff like that. Love hurts. That's Courtney. She killed Kurt. I do a bitch like Sid Nancy if she cheat on me first. I'ma get the world attention before I bleed on this earth. You gonna really get the message if you play this reverse. Okay, lyrical combat, fatality, who on battle me, pick up my shatter every atom in his old anatomy. So instead of me, when you step in closer, you becoming my enemy for the penalty. My antenna's up, sipping the Hennessy. And I brought it up to some people, and they thought the conspiracy was that she murdered him. Mm-hmm. And it's not the case. The whole thing is that she supposedly hired a hitman, that type of thing. But I, I kind of always thought it, think it's weird that there's some people who are just like, she straight up murdered him and just like never faced any repercussions for it. <laughs> <laughs> like no investigation or anything. Um, I personally have no idea. I mean, the, the, the documentaries I've watched about this, which are, you know, going down YouTube rabbit holes and things like that. I, I think they come off more conspiratorial than factual, um, mm-hmm. so I, I really don't know. But I just – I have to say I dislike Courtney Love for – I think there was some – the when, she, her, when going through that after Kurt Cobain died, like the way that she used his death for her own personal gain and PR um. I think was very, very dirty. And, um, and, you know, she was kind of, cause she's, she was famous before she was with Kurt Cobain. I mean, what her whole, the band started in 89 or 88 or something like that. And she had success with that. And then as she started to fizzle out because the music scene was changing, I mean, um, I, I think that she saw a chance to ride it and she was just like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna milk this for all it's worth type of thing. Mm, and that's, that's, yes, gross. Gross is a great word for it. <laughs> So yeah, that's why I'm biased against Courtney Love, and uh, I'm glad. I'm, I'm I'm not glad she popped up in this, but I'm glad at least we get to talk about it because I don't think there'd be any other place she would you know pop up that we'd get to mention it. <laughs> I'm glad you got your opportunity, Rob. <laughs> yes, yes, and also don't like that she gets uh she gets a little redeemed at the end. Doesn't she show up in white robes for a shot? Am I misremembering that? Uh, I know some of the people do. I don't know if she's one of them. Okay, I yeah, don't, yeah. Can't say I even know what she looks like. So okay, fair, fair. <laughs> I don't know. I, were all the vixens dark haired? Was she the only blonde one? Ooh, that's a. I think there might have been one 
blonde vixen, the one that needles um, Pete Wentz in the neck in the first music video. I think she takes off her ski mask and she has blonde oh, hair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Possibly. That's right, the one yes. he's in, in bed with. Yeah, I think the one that, um, um, I mentioned it before, that, you know, one of the women gets topless in the video for Young Volcanoes. Yeah. I Did you guys watch this on YouTube? Because I watched it on YouTube, yep. and I, yep. I and saw they... boobs on YouTube. I saw boobs yep. and nipples on YouTube. And yep. I, yep. I, I that always surprises me when it's they show up on YouTube. <laughs> I remember when I was trying to watch all these videos, I didn't realize it was, like, compiled together conveniently. I was frustrated when I couldn't access that music video on YouTube, like, Young Volcanoes was blocked. I was like, I don't, I'm trying to watch this series. Why is this one blocked? But it was totally acceptable in the long form. So it's, uh, YouTube must have some kind of like nipples per minute in the video. Like you have to exceed a certain amount of minutes and non minutes of nipple time. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I know in, um, Zach and I once we discussed the movie movie Elves and we watched it because it's in the public domain on YouTube and we like did a little stream about it. This was so long ago. And, boobs a popped boobs popped up in that movie and we were like oh my god like this is youtube what's happening um and and i know there has been some controversy as i as i love to watch the critics on youtube who who criticize cinema sins because cinema sins is a cancer and they they talk a lot about it like cinema sins censors his video when there's nudity or something in the clips he uses but then some of these others some of these other critics and stuff don't censor it and they seem to be able to get away from it so i don't mm-hmm. know i'm sure it's no surprise to anybody that um you know if you if you know about it or not youtube's algorithms are fucked beyond belief and stuff like that and um nobody can really figure out how to make heads or tails of them <laughs> I was I was reading about that the other day. I don't know all the like what they they struck thirty five hundred or thirty five hundred videos got a copyright claim from Nintendo and YouTube was like totally backing it and they were like oh yeah Nintendo we support you. Turns out it wasn't even Nintendo. It was like someone pretending to be Nintendo, <laughs> and YouTube's just like well shit you know, <laughs> and you know the whole removing the dislikes. YouTube's a nightmare, but but at least this is on there. At least it wasn't blocked. Thankfully, <laughs> would have had to gone to Vimeo. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Isn't Vimeo, like, owned by Google? Uh, ooh, maybe. I don't know. They, they might not be. I, I feel like there have been so many times I'm like, you know, I see something that says it's a video on Vimeo, and then it's actually just a YouTube video embedded on Vimeo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> right on, right on. <laughs> Oh man, I'm I'm trying to think if there's any other moments I wanted to mention or anything. I think I got all the the highlights out of the way. Um, Rob, did you like a song any better than any of the other ones on the album and in the film? I probably would say that my two standouts were "Young Volcanoes" and "Save Rock and Roll." I did also really like Miss Missing You. Oh, here's a question, because I did not listen to the album version of this. Um, the There's, like, narration at the start of Miss Missing You. Is that in the... No. The, okay, okay. So that's something they did. Well, that's, that's pretty neat that they did something specifically, you know, not just text on the screen, which I think they do at the end of Miss Missing You, mm-hmm. or somewhere around there. Um, what I found out from the commentary, well, what I read on IMDb first, and I was very doubtful of it because IMDb trivia is... Um, a wasteland, a lawless wasteland. Um, the person who does the voiceover is Tara Strong, one of my favorite voice actors. Um, and it turns out that Fallout Boy and Tara Strong know each other um, because I, I was I was finding bits and pieces of this on the internet that apparently they were at some like event or, or flying from or to an event, and they were on a plane, and Fallout Boy like approached Tara Strong, and they were like. 
man, we really love you in Teen Titans. She's the voice of Raven in Teen Titans. (laughs) And and then, you know, and they just became friends. And I actually found, I didn't watch it because I didn't really want to seek it out and I didn't think it would add anything. There is an episode of Teen Titans Go, the, the, um, the more cartoonish animated version of Teen Titans where Fallout Boy makes an appearance as themselves. Uh, Gabe, oh. have you seen that episode? Are you that much of a Fallout Boy completionist or a Teen Titans Go fan, I guess? <laughs> I'm upset that I haven't. <laughs> I didn't know this existed at all. Okay, we'll have to we'll have to find it. I don't I didn't write down like episode name or anything, but I'll I'll do a correction so if anyone wants to seek it out. Hey kids, so after some research, it turns out that Fallout Boy, as themselves, appears in the Teen Titans Go miniseries, which is titled as follows. The day the night stopped beginning to shine and became dark even though it was the day. This is the 27th through 30th episode of season 4, and not only does Fallout Boy appear, but so does CeeLo Green. If this was just one 11-minute episode, I would have gone back and watched it to give some insight into my thoughts on it. But since this is a four-parter, I could not be bothered. So, any Fallout Boy fans, if you'd like to check it out, Gabe included if she listens to this, that's where you can find it. Um, I've seen maybe two episodes of Teen Titans Go! ever. One where they're trying to get a TV to work, and uh, that's the one I remember. And I'm like, this is not interesting. It's nothing like the original Teen Titans, which, you know, played like a solid anime. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, you know, Young Volcanoes had a great um, a great beat to it, a great hook to it. I, I think that's the one I liked the most, you know, um, sonically, because that was the, the biblical image I, I was really not too much into. But then Save Rock and Roll, I think, you know, like we've been saying, everything gelled together. The music, the moments, I was definitely kind of blown away when the uh, it, everything gets so gory at the very end. Like, we're getting... <laughs> throat slashed blood sprayed and i'm just like whoa this came out of nowhere you know previously what we had seen somebody bite a bloody apple and this they just go all out with it and i and i loved in the commentary where they're like we had such a small budget we had to do this all in one take because we couldn't afford to clean the clothes or have different outfits or things like that (laughs) so i mean they had one take Looks like they had a lot of fun, and, you know, they, uh, they beat the demon, and then Elton John gets covered in blood, and that's how it ends, and I think it's a, it's a, a perfect ending. I, I like the way you said at the start, Ben, that, you know, it really ties itself together completely, and mm-hmm. that's, that's the most I can ask for. I mean, I, I did watch um, – I'm trying to remember what it is. I have to look at my diary. It, it, it went in one ear and out the other. It was something very similar to this, a series of music videos, um, and uh, I watched it. No one will be surprised to hear this. I watched it uh, because it starred Sidney Sweeney. Uh, it's called Downfalls High, and it is Machine Gun Kelly's kind of uh, music video series. I don't really, I did not really know much about Machine Gun Kelly. I, after listening to this stuff, I mean, I don't really dig his music as as um, as much as you know some people seem to do. Um, but that never came together. Like that was, you know, very teenage angst bullshit where the, 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 like a, a loner kid, um, he gets, he has like no friends at this school. It's a new school or whatever, but he has no friends. He meets like Sydney Sweeney. They fall in love. Um, Sydney Sweeney gets pregnant. She doesn't tell him that she's pregnant, but there's a scene. It's so fucking cliche. It's like euphoria, but boringer and dumber or and I use those words because <laughs> Euphoria would use those words. Um, but so they like the mo- the night happens where Sydney Sweeney, you know, they they're like having a moment, and she's like, you know, I have something to tell you, 
but I don't want to do it till later. Like, can we meet tonight, you know, or something like that? Meet in a more romantic setting and things like that. I'm actually, I'm doing a disservice to Sydney Sweeney. She's, she's, she's great. So I shouldn't give her a stupid voice like that. The guy is the one with the stupid voice who's like, yeah, okay, you know. And of course, as you might imagine, the most teen angsty thing happens. So she doesn't tell him she's pregnant, but that's the plan. As she's driving home, she gets in a car accident and dies. And then the second half of the whole thing is like him dealing with her death and him forming a band. And it's, it is so goddamn boring and <laughs> incoherent and in incohe and not cohesive at all oh god um it is does it is he bad. at least does he find out she's pregnant yes he like, finds out okay, okay he finds out she's pregnant because one night they're they're like at, there, there is some like actual dialogue in this it's all mostly music and music videos but there is some like intercut or maybe not intercut but like intermissions of dialogue they're him and the band members are like at this like shake shack or something like they're sitting outside of like a a pull up window or a walk up window to get food and the guy sees one of Sydney Sweeney's friends who has like the purse that she used to use and so he goes up to her and she's like why do you have that and the girl's like because she was my best friend and he's like you can't like you can't use her purse and that type of thing so he takes the purse from her and runs away and after he runs sufficiently far away he looks in the purse and it is revealed that all of Sydney Sweeney's things are still in the fucking purse. So the friend was using the purse without cleaning it out, which I, I don't know, Gabe. I mean, I'm not a purse user, but fucking, I'm like, no way that would have happened. But no. then, but then he goes through it and finds like her journal or something, opens it to a random page. And on the page, it just, it basically says like, I might be missing the, a few things here and there, but it's just a, a sentence that says, dear diary, so excited to tell whoever that I'm pregnant tonight. XOXO. Like, it is so fucking contrived. And Ugh. and then he gets all upset. And I think um, uh, it ends with him cutting his ear off at graduation, which is the most interesting part of it. But it's not earned. Like, like it's, it's trying to pull, like, if, if I, if you, if the listeners, the cinema audience, if you thought I believe like the in-your-face imagery of the biblical stuff that I mentioned in Youngblood Chronicles is bad, this is worse. This is like this kid and who's not Machine Gun Kelly. Machine Gun Kelly just is not in the story. He's just like the musical narrator. This, it is played like the, um, you know, Picasso, I, I cut, or sorry, Van Gogh, I cut my ear off thing so fucking blatantly. And it makes no sense. He's like, I have to suffer for my art and just fucking cuts his ear off. And I'm just like, God, why did I watch this? You know, <laughs> uh, I watched it so I could add it to the list of Sydney Sweeney movies I've seen. <laughs> so I will say that. Sorry, uh, maybe I'll start a flame war with that too. Sorry, uh, Machine Gun Kelly fans. The Fallout Boy Chronicles, uh, the, the Young Blood Chronicles, was much much better. <laughs> uh, you should you should go watch uh, listen or listen to the Machine Gun Kelly Eminem diss tracks. Oh yeah, you have mentioned that to me before, Ben. I do have yeah. to check those out. Absolutely. Yeah, you should definitely check them out. Um, I mean, obviously, Machine Gun Kelly gets fucking wrecked. But, <laughs> yes. But whatever. <laughs> oh, oh God, absolutely. Um, as another tangent, I, I'll have to see if I can find. I just saw it this morning, Ben, and I didn't. I just, I, I, I couldn't like wrap my head around it. But apparently, Tom McDonald has released a video mocking Eminem for kneeling at the Super Bowl. Did you hear about this oh. at all? I did not hear about it. But it does. It does not come off great. Uh, it, it it comes like the 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 appreciation that I feel that uh 
I had previously felt for Tom McDonald, you know, in the episode we did, and the whole thing about him being an industry planner or not, and does that matter, but his music possibly being dangerous. I feel like I didn't disrespect him at all. This I was like, why? I'm like, you are so beholden to Eminem. I mean, we talked about the the $100,000 NFT song that he bought from Eminem, and, and how he was so beholden, and, you know, he was saying, like, Eminem, you know, created me or helped me, he's a huge influence. I was just shocked to see him do this, and I, I don't know why. This is what I want to look into more because I know that a lot of people were saying when Eminem knelt at the Super Bowl halftime show, he was doing the whole, you know, what, Colin Kaepernick thing. But yeah. apparently he was kneeling during the Tupac portion and was doing it out of respect for Tupac. Which oh, is, really? Which is different. I, I, I've heard both, but it seems like – so I, don't, I have to look into it more. Um, I was – not focusing on the Super Bowl halftime show because I had some people that I was just talking to and stuff like that. But so I didn't really see it in the moment. But I I gotta look into it more because I'm like Tom McDonald. Why why are you doing this? You don't need to do this at all. <laughs> uh, I mean I don't know if Eminem decides to respond, it could make his career. Oh uh, yes, that's true. That's true. Maybe we'll get a maybe we'll get some more uh, Eminem things in the future. <laughs> I mean I would I would love a diss battle between Tom McDonald and Eminem. Sure. I, I would enjoy that. I, I would have a hard time thinking that Tom McDonald could win, but I, I would think that he, of all people, might have a chance. Fair, fair. I mean, maybe uh, Tom McDonald will come out with a uh, either a series of music videos or a movie. I don't know. We'd call it Nine Mile or something like that, and we can cover that in the future. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, man. That's great. That's great. Well, I, I guess I guess with all that being said, I mean, was there any other things you wanted to mention? Any final thoughts from you guys on, uh, on? Um, oh, I found it. Okay, Jesus, why could I find this before? Because it was in a break between pages in my notes. From the commentary, I wanted to highlight this because this was very interesting. In the song Just One Yesterday, there is a shot where um, Pete Wentz is, like, chasing a little girl and her mother. Mm-hmm. And according to the commentary the little girl was not taking it seriously. I mean, she's dressed in like a little like pink ballerina outfit with a crown or whatever. And, and like they kept trying to do this shot and the little girl kept laughing and giggling. And they were like, we need you to be scared. Like, like Pete Wentz isn't a demon, but he just came out of the woods. He's got like blood all over his mouth, that type of thing. Like you, you should be scared. And so eventually the kid did get, take it seriously when Pete Wentz started screaming and acting really angry, like really putting his vocal into it and the girl got scared and you know they got the shot they used but in the in the commentary they even say i I believe i believe they say that somebody not knowing who not like anybody involved with the making of this but maybe someone else in this park area that they were called the cops to see Mm -hmm. what was going on because pete wentz was getting so aggressive (laughs) and i was like i'm like there you go i'm like that's a that's a good moment where you know you really got into character and um, I hope this this little girl grows up and gets to say, like, you know, I was being a little shit and, and you got scared and had to actually, you know, run from Pete Wentz one day. <laughs> I would wear that like a badge of honor as I got older. <laughs> that dude from Follow Boy yelled at me when I was a child. <laughs> yes, yes. This is a, a great story that I have to relate while we're on the topic of yelling and these these emo type bands this is a story from one of my cousins who i know listens to this so i hope he likes this shout out i my cousins are brother and sister i got uh you know um and the brother's a little bit older 
the the sister loved all American rejects back in the day. And I I don't remember exactly why this happened, but like the the my the sister, my uh, female cousin couldn't go to a concert when they came to New York. Like maybe it was it was too late, maybe she was too young or something like that. So the the brother went instead and and you know, he he didn't really like all American rejects. He doesn't really like all American rejects, period, you know, that type of thing. But he went because he was like, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to try and get something signed for my sister. And, mm-hmm. you know, he goes to the concert with his friends. They kind of, you know, are there and they, they experience it, that type of thing. They go out and they go to the place where, you know, you have to wait for them to come out or, or the band to come out, you know, whether it be in the venue or outside the venue. I'm not sure how it worked, but he's there and he's waiting for them, that type of thing. And eventually they come out and he said, you know, there's a, a crowd of people. And, you know, apparently all American rejects, you know, they, they, they're like, they say like, hi, you know, that type of thing. And, you know, they, they kind of just like, like maybe take a photo or like one or two photos. Like they do very, very little. And, and my cousin's trying to get up there and he's like, you know, I have like a a shirt or a CD or something. And he's like, you know, like, can you sign it? Can you sign it? And the lead singer from all American rejects like looks at him and he like, like pushes like you know not aggressively but like pushes the um whatever my cousin is holding to get him to sign like away like he refuses to do it and my cousin just goes off on him like he screamed at the all-american rejects and he's like you know the only fucking reason i came here was to get this signed for my sister and you can't even be bothered to do that like what the hell's wrong with you and the all-american rejects guy was like oh my god i'm so sorry like i'm so sorry and he was really apologetic and he signed it so sometimes you just got to be aggressive with these people sometimes maybe they get two in their own head and they're uh they're riding high on the fame <laughs> that's funny i i can't i have to imagine that i would have said the same thing to the bands we've talked to ben you know uh but thankfully all the bands we've met i still think of the time we met small pools and after 17 young girls just wanting a photo us asking them about their music seemed to be the most refreshing thing of their lifetime <laughs> yeah that was uh that was the time that we didn't go have hot dogs with them yes yes one of which in uh, hindsight was a huge mistake yes one of one of my my biggest missed opportunity our biggest missed opportunities yes. absolutely um but still, it was. I remember just talking to them and them being like, "Oh my god, you care about this?" It's also like the time when I saw Twenty One Pilots long before they got famous at a show with maybe sixty people. Um, Nick and I were talking to them, and we were saying something like, "You know, oh, why didn't you play any anything from like your first album?" You know, um, I think the self titled. Uh, and and you know, Tyler Joseph was like, "You actually listen to that? Like people like that stuff?" <laughs> and we were like, "Fuck yeah, man! We want to listen to everything you got." You know. <laughs> But yeah, the All-American Rejects had to be put in their place. They were given hell, might I make that joke. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, all my tangents aside, any any final thoughts from you guys about uh, the Youngblood Chronicles? Um, no, I, I don't I don't have any uh, any additional thoughts, I don't think. I think okay, okay, everything. right on. Um, well, then My that... final thoughts, this is the, the best thing that's ever been made. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> I don't think you guys even need to cover any other movies. Like, you found... Oh, we're done. Okay. <laughs> this is the finale. We're just wrapping up the podcast now. Okay. Yeah. I will. I will let Zach least. know for sure that uh, we we finish strong on the Young Blood Chronicles from Fall. And I will seek out anyone's bad reviews. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Well, then I guess that brings us to questions. Um, I guess uh, uh, before I throw it over to Gabe and we give her, she gives her obvious answers. Maybe not so obvious. I'm gonna go no for both. Uh, Cinemodities, no. I mean, long form narrative music videos. 
I think it relies way too much on some imagery and basic story. I mean, Ben, you you convinced me with some of your thoughts on the theme and whatnot, but um, you know, no no real real uh, nothing to push me over the edge there, I should say. And late night, I think I'm going to say the same thing. I mean, I don't really think there's that much to grasp on. Um, this is kind of like I, I would say maybe it's it's not a late night for me. Maybe it's late night for a bunch of Fallout Boy fans after they come back from one of their concerts. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I guess, I guess, uh, Gabe, I want to throw it over to you, you being uh, new here on our commentary tracks. I don't think we did questions, but what no. do you think for Cinemodities and Late Night? Yeah, so uh, uh, I'll be honest. I've never made it this far into an episode. <laughs> ben, didn't we say that at some point? You were like, you were like, aren't there, are there people who like tune out before snacks? And I'm like, I think there's people that tune out before questions. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh... I did say that, and that's why we're going to put ads earlier in yes, the show. Yes, yes. So, so um, Gabe, the the way that we formerly like to think about it is Cinemonides is the classification, Late Night is the recommendation. Um, okay. But really, uh, in, in the way, that's what Zach came up with, which is very elegant, I think. But I like to think a Cinemonity can be anything you want it to be. Um, a late night movie is more of, you know, if you had the chance, uh, if you were with other people and you had the chance to play something, would this be considered to be put on and say, hey, guys, I want to show you this for, you know, whatever reason, whether it be good conversation, making fun of it, maybe jamming out to the music. Um, uh, if there's any questions, let me know. But it is very free form. So, you know, you can interpret these in, in any way you'd like. Uh, in terms of late night, I've definitely had people over and been like, hey. We should watch this. This is the best thing in the world. There you go. And they were like, this is really bad uh, and didn't pay any attention to it. Uh, it's still a late night for me. They just don't know what talent is. Sure, sure. And uh, Cinemodity, I'm also going to have to go, yes, just Fallout Boy fangirl soul. Yes to everything. That, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, back when we had uh, when we had Heather on two, two years ago, I think now, or in 2020, um, uh, she was on for some of the Danny DeVito episodes, and she said, anything with Danny DeVito is a cinematic. <laughs> 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 so some people just like to make those blanket classifications. But all right, I, I, I like those answers. Ben, what do you think? It's going to be a no and no. Or, or what, you know, what's that, uh, that, that one judge? It's going to be a no for me, dog. Oh, Randy, Randy Jackson. It's going to be a no for me, dog, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's... No, I I don't. Maybe maybe a little bit odd in that I don't know of too many long form music video movies. Okay. Uh, but would I decide to put this on for somebody else? No. <laughs> gotcha. I, Ouch. There, I mean, there's there's a lot of other movies. I guess it it might depend a little bit on if I intended to watch the movie or not. If if we were gonna talk mostly. And not watch the movie, I might choose this because it's just music, but then I would probably just play others. Oh, oh that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, in, in that sense, it is literally background music. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Okay, right on. Well, then that brings us to the restaurant where we talk about snacks. And so um, I'll, I'll kick this off. Since Gabe said she's never made it this far, um, I'll kick this off by uh, my first <laughs> snack is a shooting range. Um, so what I mean by this is, well, actually, it's a shooting range and a rage room. So I'm, if nobody's familiar with a rage room where you get to go and break shit, um, which is good fun. I've been to one once. It was it was pretty great. But I think we should have a shooting range and range room uh, where customers can go and pay to use weapons that are created from instruments. So, you know, maybe the bass guitar machete, the snare drum crossbow. I'm thinking we could get, like, a guitar axe, you know, the actual, like, Marceline's axe bass uh, from Adventure Time, you know, the uh, 
uh, sticking with that. But I figured I loved that idea so much. Let's just give a chance for our, our customers to maybe blow off some steam. I mean, what will they be breaking and shooting at? I don't really have an idea for that yet. Maybe it'll be something, I don't know, we need broken or killed for the restaurant, probably to get that synergy working. Um, were there any, I wanted to know, Ben, if, if I could pick your brain, did you have any instrument weapon, or Gabe, any instrument weapons you thought of when you watched this? Um, I I personally really liked whatever bladed thing that one guy had. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> it, it reminded me very much of like an old school like Japanese a weapon that has a name that sounds something like Todachi or something, but I don't actually know what it is. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, I, so I, I like that. I think, I think I would probably just want to continue that trend. Uh, definitely some like katana whatevers. I mean, I, I, I don't know what you could make a katana out of. Um, but sure. I, I think, I, I definitely think that we need like a Viking bearded axe as, as a weapon, maybe like one of those standing base, things turned into a giant viking axe okay Ooh. i like that then it takes some real effort to get a swing with that <laughs> oh yeah i'm thinking also um, um uh like symbols like serrated edge symbols that you can th- whip whip around you know like like saw blades oh, almost yeah i'm i'm fond of the often weaponized piano in cartoons um, oh. <laughs> not really a mobile weapon but that's that's gonna be my favorite you just drop a piano on somebody yeah who sees that coming not in real life yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, and uh, we uh, we can only hope that we figure out a way to mimic what happens in the cartoon. Is that when um, it lands on somebody, they pop out of the body of the piano, and their teeth are replaced by the keys. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, nice, nice. So I think the other ones I had were food, but Ben, what did you have for the restaurant? Oh, I um, I definitely think that we need a room where you can either pay to cover someone in blood or pay to get covered in blood. I'm not sure which way it should go. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, like Elton John. Yep. Uh, yeah. I guess it's up to the customer, whichever one they're into, you know? Yeah. Maybe we have customers filling both roles and it's like some kind of weird fetish room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely am inclined to think that we should pick random customers and handcuff briefcases to them. Ooh, <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Uh, I don't know what the, will be in the briefcase, and then, I don't know, we can, like, select other people and tell them if they can get a certain briefcase that they'll get, you know, a lifetime supply of cigarette-flavored chips or whatever it is that we sell. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. At the restaurant. I, I like that, because you know, if, if there's an incentive to have the briefcase or something, we could we could instill the notion of, you know, other customers trying to cut hands off to gain access to that briefcase. Yeah, sure. And there's nothing. Wrong so maybe, with that. yeah, maybe it's just while you have the briefcase, you get you get, you know, the free, whatever. <laughs> yes. If you, what about if you make it to the exit of the restaurant with the briefcase? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's never gonna happen. Uh, yeah, but I mean, maybe that's good for business where we never have to pay out. You know, it's like a rigged well, okay. lottery or something. <laughs> sure. Sure. From uh, the Young Volcanoes video, I think that's where the rest of mine come from, all of the, uh, the the food and stuff we see in there. There's a point where they're, like, snorting something that's, like, neon-colored. Like, it looks like yeah, neon-colored colored cocaine. Coke. Yes, so I'm thinking just, like, neon-colored cocaine. I mean, I'm pretty sure we have cocaine somewhere in the restaurant already. But then I had the thought, well, I, I don't think that we should be as bold as to say that we should have colorful cocaine in the sin emodities portion of the restaurant, which is the kids' portion of the restaurant. So I thought we could have something to mimic the, the neon-colored cocaine, and we would just give the kids 
like the colored sand from sand art mm-hmm. and maybe they figure out to snort it or maybe they just play with it but at least it it, it is involved in both facets of the restaurant okay <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I thought you were going to go with pixie sticks since that seems like the, but I mean, that's, that's lying in fruit. It, it does make sense. You go a little higher effort. <laughs> pixie sticks to, st- sticks to sand art. There we go. <laughs> and then my other two, I love the idea of blood apples, just an apple that you bite into and it's full of blood. I love that idea. I love the idea of blood filled with anything, you know, uh, or blood filled in anything. And then vomited up snakes. I think that we should, you know, have somebody or, you know, is, who's vomiting up snakes and we serve them uh, after they've been vomited out. It's a delicacy, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. So, Gabe, if uh, if we put this in perspective for you, snacks is a very loose term uh, in general. Mm-hmm. It really means anything that we can work into our infinite void of a restaurant, which, of course, uh, you should know, um, this the Cinematis restaurant is a real place. It's in Times Square, New York, where the restaurant Mars 2112 used to be, um, and it is infinite, uh, and that, that's all you need to know. So, or is there anything that came to mind that you had for snacks? Um, I definitely think that there should be lightly used or moderately used hooks available. <laughs> uh, okay. Just, you know, sit down for a good meal with someone else's used hook. Would the customer, like, put it on their hand and use it to eat type of thing? Is that what you're thinking? Uh- I think that could be up to their their decision but i don't think that that should be frowned upon okay. it, it should be we we provide hooks to the people who get their briefcases stolen mm. oh yes that's a good one that's a good one the way you first phrased it gabe is that you know you just sit down and eat with somebody else's hook i imagine like someone comes to the restaurant and they get stood up on a date so the waiter just puts a hook across them <laughs> from the table like just stands up a hook and they go you know it's okay sir it happens all the time <laughs> that I have to say, I'm I'm down for both of these. <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah, me too. I like them all. I, I and I like like you said, we need multiple hooks, you know, and they could be. I, I like moderately used, of course. Maybe um, some have blood stains on them. Maybe some have you know other types of dried food fluids. Who knows? It fits the motif perfectly. Anything else from the restaurant? Do you are there already snakes like in the restaurant? I'm not familiar with all of the things in the restaurant. Probably there are. That's the thing that you know uh, we it's gotten so vast and stuff that we pay a lot of people to keep like keep handle on this stuff. And so I mean maybe the best example is cigarettes appear on the menu I think seven times now okay. because we just keep saying cigarettes for movies and and you know there was a time when Ben and I just kept forgetting we had said cigarettes like two weeks ago. <laughs> And that's also why I said cigarette-flavored chips, because yes. I figured yeah. that there's probably cigarette-flavored <laughs> chips. <laughs> yep. I even mentioned at the start, you know, Ben and I instituted wrapping bingo. I totally forgot we had none bingo. Who's going to remember none bingo, you know? <laughs> there's also some things in the restaurant where the recipes have been lost to time and, and stuff of mm-hmm. that. And uh, it's always a, it's always very bothersome when somebody, somebody orders something off the menu and everybody's like, well, we have no goddamn clue how to make this. <laughs> Um, but snakes, I mean, we probably have snakes, but we got no problem doubling up. Um, is there any way you wanted to use snakes in particular? I, I would hate to see them being, like, eaten. Uh, it would be nice if the snakes could provide to the the restaurant, I don't know, like, wait staff, cleaning. They're out of work. <laughs> Okay, okay yeah, yeah. Uh, make, isn't there like a courage the cowardly dog episode or grim adventures of billy and mandy episode where there's like a, a big snake in a trench coat or something like that like that's what <laughs> it makes me think of <laughs> I, I was definitely picturing like little hats um, oh yes yes 
Yeah, it's like they're slithering around with little hats. They got a tray that they that keeps falling off their back, and they don't know how to carry it because <laughs> they're trying to take food out. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I'm into that. I'm into that. I'm, it's interesting you mentioned snakes being eaten. Uh, there was one time I was at a grocery store, and they were selling rattlesnake meat, and I am, I am upset that I did not buy it, but it was like, Thirty-five or forty dollars a pound, or something oh, wow. like that. Yeah. Oh well, um, I mean, there's not much meat on around. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I, I will have to um, one day try snake. I never have gotten the chance to, but I, I look forward to it. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess with all of that out of the way, of course, Gabe, thank you for being here. Thank you for making an appearance on the uh, the non commentary episodes. You've gotten used to more of the uh, the formal. Uh, things that we do here in the in the Cinematis restaurant and the and the podcast. And I guess, you know, if anybody is interested in hearing more from you or um I wouldn't recommend it, you know, don't go and harass Gabe for her love of Fallout Boy, but if you want to have a, a nice discussion with her about Fallout Boy, um where can people find you if they want to do any of that stuff or maybe other things? <laughs> right here. Don't don't look for me. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, ben, I know you have something to advertise, unless something's changed that I don't know about. <laughs> no, I mean, I still, I still have the live counter yes. app. It's still doing, doing work. Uh, it's up to like 300 ish users in the, in the, uh, iOS market. Ooh, and nice. I think only like 30 something in the Android market. <laughs> um, it is, it is free now. Uh, come check it out and you can support the live counter app and, and you know, just me in general, by using my affiliate code, which Rob will link in the show notes, definitely um, to buy all of your TCG uh, trading card game need, you know, fill all your trading card game needs on TCGplayer.com using that affiliate code, and I get a kickback just for sending you their business, and you don't have to spend any extra money. So you, uh, you know, it's a win-win for everybody except them because they lose some money. <laughs> <laughs> they got plenty. It's uh, Ben needs it more. We need it more. Absolutely. Speaking of us needing money, if you like what you heard and you want to support the podcast, definitely go over and check out the Cinemodities Patreon. So patreon.com slash Cinemodities, where we have a whole backlog of episodes talking about movies, uh, TV shows, everything we, we like to talk about. Fan requests that, you know, Ben and I have been uh, paid to watch and things like that, which you can do too with the correct tier. So go ahead on over, check it out. And even if you don't want to become a member, a paying member, we also would love if you want to go over and check out those public posts, our two commentaries, give us your feedback. Uh, the movies are... Uh, uh, the Fog movie. It's not The Fog. It's The Fog movie. Uh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, Wolfman. I think. Yep, so yep, actually... yep. Uh, Joe F- Johnson. Fogman. The Fog. The Fogman. The Were Fog. The 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 Wolf Fog. Uh, it's 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 there. It's a doozy. And then the other one is a commentary, which we do recommend you watch along um, with the movie and only with the movie. Uh, you, uh, what I'm trying to say is you should not watch the movie um, independently. Unless you're watching this commentary. Uh, uh, yes, exactly. Like, uh, we feel it's a necessity uh, because at least while you're watching goddamn Real Steel, you will have something to laugh at or at least be mildly entertained because Ben and I are complaining, and Gabe, are complaining about that film for the entire runtime. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, and 
it gives you a lot to complain about. Yes. So. And my, my fate, I have to mention it again, which uh, whenever it comes up, I love mentioning it. I couldn't keep it in the actual commentary because it came during one of our breaks. So it, it would not work. Like, we'd have to be like, pause it now, you know, that type of thing. So I had to edit it out. But there is a great moment when we all take a break from watching the movie. And I, I think, you know, Ben pauses the movie and then immediately goes, Oh my God, we still have an hour left. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. So yes, everybody check that out. And uh, of course, if you want to harass us about Fallout Boy and start the flame war with me, you Fallout Boy fans or Machine Gun Kelly fans, contact us at cinemodities at gmail.com or start a full-on flame war on the Cinemodities subreddit, uh, (laughs) reddit.com slash r slash cinemodities. All right. Well, with all that being said, I think um, we have to talk about how to end this episode. My thought was that we would take the um, the most popular song or most famous song, I would say, My Songs Know What You Did in the Dark, and play that in reverse. But I do want to get your guys' opinions, you being the, the Fall Out Boy fans. Do you think there's something better we'd be able to play in reverse from uh, from Youngblood Chronicles? We should play Ratatat. <laughs> in reverse because it's your least favorite song. I mean, that that uh, I should have seen that coming, of course. I'm personally feeling where did the party go okay okay whenever there's multiple options i usually try to do a medley so um so either we will get a medley of those three songs in reverse or i will just you know take the easy way out and play the entire 45 minute thing in reverse we'll (laughs) we'll see what happens if this episode looks a little actually no 45 minutes from now is still shorter than a lot of our episodes. <laughs> so people would not be able to realize that, but I guess they'll have to listen in and find out in the next few seconds.
Hey, wie auch sie.